2: episode 190 of the aggressive progressive podcast are we ever not going to have this problem let's start the show
1: we are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity you and i as citizens have the obligation to shape the debates of our time Welcome
2: to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. I am Chris Hahn. Thank you for liking, rating, reviewing, subscribing, and telling your friends about our podcast. I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, I mean, we're going to talk about some crazy stuff today, right? Some stuff that should be gone. We shouldn't, you know. We should have figured this out by now. I'm talking, of course, about the brutal beating of Tyree Nichols in Memphis that we all had. Witnessed over the weekend uh, when they released the, the body cam footage and the other police camera angles. It, it's despicable, horrible, um, and it's been going on far too long, right? Um, we could talk about Rodney King and the comparisons and other things of that nature, but really what it comes down to is that we've never had the political will to deal with this. We all say we want to deal with it when the incident occurs, and then we all go to our corners. And if you want to have police reform, you're you're not pro-policing, and if you don't want police reform, you're a fascist. We've got to get out of that, and we've got to figure out what works in this country and what doesn't. So rather than me reinventing the wheel on this, I talked about this on my Daily Rant, which is a radio show I do every day now, uh, and I'm going to drop that into the pod, and you tell me if you like it, and then I'll drop in another segment from the Daily Rant. And I really would appreciate if you let me know what you think about it. At Christopher Hahn on Twitter, Christopher Hahn NY on Instagram, and ChristopherHahn.com. So listen to this. I'm Chris Hahn, and welcome to my Daily Rant. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank you all for following me on Twitter, at Christopher Hahn on Twitter. Hope you're enjoying the Daily Rant. I'm trying to keep it balanced, right? I'm trying to give you points of view that are not just progressive, not just political. But I'm trying to make this enjoyable and entertaining, and I hope you are enjoying it. And like I said, I will never ask you to subscribe to some weird concierge service. You want to find me, just go to my website, at Christopher Hahn on Twitter, Christopher Hahn NY on Instagram, and ChristopherHahn.com. You could email me there, and it's free. You don't have to pay for it. So I want to talk about a topic, though, that I think we spend, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about it when there's an incident and then the incident fades in people's memories and we never actually do anything. And uh, I think, you know what I'm talking about, the Tyree Nichols situation in Memphis, Tennessee, another example of an unarmed person getting dragged from his car and beaten by police. Now, let me make things perfectly clear. I think you could both be supportive of police officers and want to see things like that never happen again. I am very supportive of police in this uh, on in New York. Uh, I've always backed them, but if there were police officers that were involved in situations like that, where they're beating an unarmed man to death, no, I think they need to be held accountable for that. The political problem here is it, it, it becomes too easy for us to retreat to silos. In situations like that, right? In the beginning, you're going to hear lots of people condemning the attack. Even Donald Trump condemned what happened in Memphis, Tennessee over the weekend. Uh, Republicans and Democrats alike will condemn it. And then in a couple of weeks, there will be legislation that will come up and people will retreat to their silos. People on the right will say, we back the blue. People on the left will cry for more accountability. And it becomes... A regular partisan issue rather than something that as human beings who have eyes, who have common sense, want to just make happen, right? It becomes too much of an issue politically. Look, I don't think units should be put together with names like Scorpion uh, at all. And, and, and look, maybe there was a good cause for that unit to exist when it originally existed. But they look like a wolf pack to me. They look like a gang pulling this guy out of his car and beating him to death. The question I have to ask is why, right? Like what was going on in the lives of those officers that day that led them to that moment where they beat this guy up? We have to start thinking, you know, you know, what are we doing? How are we training police officers? How are we monitoring their psychology? Right? Look, that's a tough job. They see a lot of bad stuff. And I think it's important that law enforcement officers are given regular mental health exams to determine if they are a danger to themselves or anybody else. And I'm sure that, that uh, as we examine what's been going on with these officers over the next year or two, as it goes to trial, I think you're going to find that a routine psychological exam of at least some of them would have uh, would have made it clear that perhaps they should not have been on that job that day. Uh, police officers are people. They are people like everybody else. They have problems just like everybody else. The problem becomes when those police officers take their problems to work with them and then take it out on an unsuspecting person like Tyree Nichols in Memphis, Tennessee. And why can't we as a society agree that we shouldn't let that happen and that we should do whatever it takes to make sure it never happens again? This is not the first time. That we've had an incident like this and sadly it will not be the last. The victims and their families, the family of the victims, what they really want to see is justice for their loved one. But more importantly, systemic changes to prevent this from happen- to happening from- to anybody else. God, I'm like tongue-tied today. Uh, it's a touchy topic for me, right? I mean, I-, I saw that video. I think you all saw that video. You couldn't avoid it if you watched any news program this weekend. It's horrific. And the guy was complying. He was on the ground saying, all right, all right, all right. He was five or 50 yards or 100 yards from his mother's house. And he just wanted to go home. Why didn't they let him go home? It doesn't even appear that there was justification for the stop to begin with. That what happened there was just profiling... Or something else, something that shouldn't be allowed to happen, something that we should make sure never happens again. We can't let politics get in the way of this. We can't retreat into our silos. We can't say, oh, you're a liberal. You don't support police officers. That's not true. I'm a liberal. I support police officers, but not unconditionally. I I don't think there are any government workers or officials Who should have our unconditional support. Could you imagine if lawmakers and the public gave unconditional support to, let's say, the IRS? Uh, Their agents are doing their job. They're kind of a law enforcement body. What about the motor vehicle? Oh, I got my unconditional support for the motor vehicle. Why, then, are police officers so often given unconditional supports? By the way, why would they unconditionally support each other? Your job is to protect and serve. And if your job is to protect and serve, shouldn't you always be protecting the public and serving the public? Even if it means stopping your fellow officer from doing something that was not in the public interest. This is what gets me so upset when I look at that Tyree uh, Nichols uh, tape. There were five of them. And I get it. There may have been one or two that had a bad day and were taking it out on this suspect. And it would have been incumbent on the other three to stop it. And that did not happen. And it led to a man's death. I I just don't get it. I mean, we don't have unconditional support for anyone that we pay in this country. But when it comes to this kind of policing issue, we just do dig ourselves into our corners, we put on our red or blue jersey, and we say, well, if you don't unconditionally support this group, then you are not an American. Happens a lot with military, right? It happens a lot with the military where we come out there and we say, well, if you don't unconditionally support me, you're, you're against me. That's not true. I am not against policing or police officers. In fact, I think it's a valuable service to this country. I think they are honorable people, and I think that 99% of them, you know, do their job well and protect and serve the public. But why can't they help root out the 1% that don't? Why then, when the 1% that come out and really do disservice to the public, why then are there some people in politics that want to grandstand around that? And say, well, if you don't even support this 1%, the guys who are out there beating people, well, then you're against police. And believe me, I know it sounds extreme right now. It sounds like I'm making something up that I am not going to, you know, that there are not going to be people that are going to come out and say, well, if you don't support this, you're against police. Of course there will be. Uh, Look, as early as Friday night, When this tape was released, there were conservative media outlets comparing Tyree Nichols to Ashley Babbitt. For those of you who don't remember Ashley Babbitt, Ashley Babbitt was one of the terrorists that stormed the Capitol on January 6th and was shot by Capitol Police, who told her on several occasions to stop. Very different than Tyree Nichols, who was driving home to his mother's house. Very different very different. How they can compare those two is beyond me, but it did happen. So don't think for a second that there won't be people out there saying, well, you're calling for more accountability for police officers than you're against police. I'm sorry. I am not against police. I am for accountability for everybody on the public payroll which police are, I am for full accountability and transparency for those people. We shouldn't have to debate this politically. We should say, what is the best practices around the country and try to make that happen everywhere? Where are we finding that police are better adjusted? where we're not having these kinds of incidents, where these incidents, if they do occur, they are rare. And when they happen, they are dealt with effectively. Why aren't we not talking about this? Like we do about how to run a railroad or how to run a bridge. You know, all industries and even government, they talk about the best ways to do things. And by the way, they do it about policing too. I mean, look, I was the chief deputy county executive in Nassau County. I oversaw the police department. And we absolutely talked about best practices. And I'll tell you what, we had, I don't think we had any incidents in my tenure there because we had a very well trained, very well educated and very well paid police force that was doing the job the right way. And I think that's, look, I think part of the solution is paying police more. So you get better people who want to join the force, make it a job that's attractive and competitive. I'm, I, you know, I, I don't know what they pay police officers in Memphis, Tennessee, but I would imagine it ain't great. So it becomes a, you know, these things weigh on people and you get the wrong type of people coming onto that job. So we need to look at best practices around the country and figure out a way to bring them where they are needed. And we can't be putting on our political jerseys all the time on every issue. This should not be a Democrat versus Republican, liberal versus conservative issue. This should be, we're all people who want to see our kids come home safely. We are all people that want to see our communities safe, right? I'm not ever going to call for the abolishment of the police department. I mean, that group that, uh, you know, they, they ranted defund the police a couple of years ago. That was the dumbest statement I've ever heard in my life. One of the worst political jobs ever done by anyone. We're not here to defund the police. We want to reform policing. I I think if they would have, if their slogan would have been reform the police, man, everybody would have been on board with that. But defund the police? Yeah, I don't think that that was playing with most Americans, even people in communities you pretended to be representing, right? It is not a statement that was effective. And even if it was effective, like even, and it wasn't, even if it was something that could actually happen, what would you have replaced it with? Anarchy? Uh, again, we need police. We need good police. We need well trained police. We need police who are mentally stable and of sound mind. And we need to work really, really hard that incidents like the one in Memphis never happen again.
0: I'm Chris Hahn. That's my Daily Rant. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
2: All right, I hope you liked that from the Daily Rant. I am going to now play the inaugural Daily Rant, and then I'll be back to close the program, so stay where you are. And now, LI News presents the Chris Hahn Rant. Hey America, it's me Chris Hahn, and welcome to the Daily Rant. This is my inaugural Daily Rant, and I know a lot of you were used to hearing Bill O'Reilly in this time slot basically feeding you the same opinion you hear all day long on most of these stations but you're going to get something different from me and it is my hope it is my goal that we engage each other in a national conversation and we're not always going to agree in fact most of the time we're going to disagree but that's okay right We need to be able to talk to each other in this country. One of the problems we have when it comes to our politics is that we can't talk. We can't talk. We can't hear each other's points of view. So every day in this time slot until I'm canceled, I will be giving you my point of view on politics. Now, every day I'm not going to talk about politics. It'll drive you crazy. It'll drive me crazy. Once in a while, I'll talk about something else. But most of the time, I'm going to talk about politics. But, you know, we don't have the problem we have in politics in everything we do in America. I mean, if if I was to engage you in a conversation about, say, pancakes, we would have some agreement. We would have some disagreement, but we wouldn't hate each other. Oh, my God, I can't believe he likes real maple syrup on uh, his pancakes. Doesn't? Why doesn't he like the processed kind? And by the way, that's an argument I have with my wife all the time. I like real maple syrup, and she wants the processed stuff, the basically sugar syrup. I want it to come from a tree, my maple syrup. That's just me. Why, then, do we have these intense disagreements about politics in America when, quite frankly, when we take our jerseys off and we actually talk about the issues, you will find... That we agree more than we disagree. But here's the thing about politics on television and on the radio. Nobody's going to watch a program or listen to a program or download a podcast with people just agreeing. The conflict drives the audience. Roger Ailes knew that at Fox News when he created Fox News. That's why there were always progressives on Fox News. Myself, Included, He found that if you had conflict, if you had people disagreeing, even if most of the time you were feeding people the talking points of a particular party, you stirred the pot a little bit. It kept the audience engaged. So look, I'm not here to argue with you. I'm here to engage you. I'm here to get you to think critically about what you're hearing on this station, on conservative media outlets, from your friends inside your conservative bubble. We all live in bubbles. And I think it's time to get out of it. I think it's time for us to just really engage each other in conversations. We're all Americans. We all care about mostly the same stuff. Our families, our homes. We all want to be safe. We want to be well-fed. We want to have some entertainment. We want to have good jobs, good transportation. We want to see our roads plowed, our trash picked up. We want good infrastructure so we can get around. That's what we want. We all want that. Yet for some reason, there has been this demonization of each other. And and I got to tell you this. We all have friends and family on the other side of the aisle. Every single one of us. We all have friends and family who belong to the other party. Do you hate them? I don't think so. Right? This is why, like, when mostly conservatives talk about the, the coming Civil War, who's the Civil War going to be against? Like, are you going to be, you know, bombing your kids who moved to Brooklyn? Do I have to hide the knives at Thanksgiving because my family's coming over? I mean, who is the civil war against? We Some of us are sleeping with people on the other side, right? A lot of us are. We have to be very careful when we have those conversations and those talk, that kind of talk. We got to tone it down because it does lead to real violence. I mean, it happened on January 6th. We're seeing this in New Mexico. It happened when a gunman came after Steve Scalise. I think the thing that makes us great in this country is that we settle our political difference at the ballot box, not at the point of a gun. We settle our political differences through political discourse by talking it out and sometimes working out a compromise. It seems to be a lost art. And I'm hoping that through this program, and it's just a little program, guys, I'm here for 15 minutes a day. We're going to have that kind of discourse. And you can always talk back to me on Twitter, at Christopher Hahn, and on Instagram, Christopher Hahn and why. So take a listen to this. I'm going to come back. I'm going to talk about an issue that's very important that you might not know about. And hopefully, I'll change your mind about it, or at least get you to think critically about what's going on. Stay where you are. now, L.I. News presents the Chris Hahn Rant. Welcome back to my daily rant. I'm Chris Hahn. So let's talk about the debt ceiling, America. But before we talk about the debt ceiling, let's talk about personal responsibility. You know, Republicans always like to talk about personal responsibility. And the latest round of personal responsibility talk came when President Biden decided to cancel of student debt Republicans were outraged they took that debt out they should pay their debt back what are we gonna do we're gonna let everybody off the hook what about the people who didn't go to college now I, I will tell you this I have a lot of student debt still and I've been out of law school for over 20 years and I'm still paying back my student loans because when I first got out of law school, I wasn't making a lot of money. I consolidated my loans into a very low interest, long-term loan that uh, took 30 years to pay off. And I, you know, I still got about 10 years left to pay it. And I hate it. And it wouldn't have been qualified under Joe Biden's debt forgiveness program, which would have definitely, which would have dramatically shortened the amount of time I had left on my loan if I were to get $10,000 off. But that's the Republican stance, personal responsibility, pay your debts. Yet, The same Republicans who want students, some of whom didn't even graduate and who aren't earning any money with those degrees that they didn't get, who want them to pay their debts, are the same Republicans saying that the United States of America should default on its debt. Now, a lot of people like to think that the debt ceiling is just a license for the federal government to create more debt. That is not the case. The debt ceiling does not increase spending one penny. The debt ceiling allows the federal government to pay the debt they already have, 25% of which was run up by Donald Trump. 25% of all of our debt from all the presidents in the history of this country, 25% of it was run up by Donald Trump in his four years as president, 25%. I don't understand how they can get away with this. Now they're saying we're demanding spending cuts, but if you read between the lines, remember the budgets have already been passed. What Congress is voting on is to pay the debts they've already incurred through budgets Congress passed themselves. Many of the same people who are now against raising the debt ceiling voted for these budgets at one point in time, right? I mean, they were in the majority during the Trump years, and they voted for great increases in spending. You know what they want to cut? They want to cut Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. They don't want to see increases. They don't want to see these programs expanded. And quite frankly, if you're not on it yet, they don't want to make sure it's there for you When you retire, even though you've been paying into it since your very first paycheck, you know, my first paycheck was when I was 14 years old and I was working for $3 and 25 cents an hour at Dunkin' Donuts in center Okay. And when I got my check, I noticed that they took out FICA and all sorts of other taxes. And that FICA has been accumulating in an account for years. And when and if I get to the age of 62 or 65 or whatever, I decide to retire. I can start taking those payments because I paid for it. But if you listen to the interviews on the Sunday shows last weekend, Republicans have got that on the table. They want cuts to entitlement spending in exchange for increasing the debt ceiling. Again, the debt ceiling, which only pays the debts we've already incurred. Personal responsibility. If it's good enough for a college kid paying back a student loan he can't afford, it's good enough for the federal government. And one more thing about this that should get you worked up. The United States dollar is the reserve currency all over the world, all other currencies are based on their value to the dollar. Should the debt ceiling not be increased and should the extraordinary measures that the treasury department is now taking, looking for loose change between the cushions, basically to keep us afloat until June. Should the Congress not act by June It will send the entire world's economy into free fall. You think things are bad now? You think there's inflation now? You just wait until these guys do it. Now, why would they do it, you ask? Well, one, because a lot of them are nihilists, right? I mean, there were a lot of them. I mean, you saw them when they were blocking Kevin McCarthy from becoming Speaker of the House. They didn't have any real agenda. They just didn't want government to move. They're nihilists and they don't care. Let it burn. But some of them think that if we destroy the economy, people will blame Joe Biden. Why didn't Joe Biden stop the economy from being destroyed? Why is Joe Biden allowing us to destroy the economy? So basically, they're giving Joe Biden a Hobson's choice. You either cut Social Security and Medicare, which would be politically political suicide for anybody who did that. Because who votes? Mostly people on Social Security and Medicare. Or we destroy the world and the United States economy on your watch. And Joe Biden has basically given them the Godfather answer. Here's my offer to you, Congressman nothing. You raise the debt ceiling without any conditions. And that's what they should do. And they should do it every year. And quite frankly, we should eliminate the debt ceiling and we should tie the debt ceiling in the future to the congressional budget. Whatever Congress approves in the budget is an automatic increase in the debt ceiling. It's the right thing to do. Do not be fooled. It is not additional spending. It is paying for things we already bought Personal responsibility. You're paying your credit cards, you're paying your mortgage, you're paying your student loan. The United States of America should do the same thing. I'm Chris Hahn, and that's The Daily Rant. You've been listening to The Chris Hahn Rant. For more, Chris, tune in Monday through Friday at noon.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
2: So that's the Daily Rants. I hope you liked it. I am enjoying doing something, a little something every day. It's a lot of fun. Um, And I'll, uh, from time to time, sprinkle them in here, but I'll I'll be back to doing the regular show very soon. So, uh, you know, I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're enjoying life. I hope you're ready for the Super Bowl. I can't believe they the Empire State Building was dyed green for the uh, Eagles. That's ridiculous. The guy who owns that building needs to sell it. That's all I'll say about that. And that's all I'll really say the rest of the day. And I'm going to remind you now, as I always do, to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there. And I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast.